Welcome back to Overexerted, a Lacana podcast brought to you by Two Tired Dads. I'm Charles. And I'm Ben. And thank you for tuning in. We have an absolute ton of news to talk about this week. Very exciting because we had quite the lull over the holiday season. How were your holidays now that you're back? Uh, it was great. Vacation was great. Uh, we went and saw my grandparents. My son got to meet his great-grandparents. I mean, he's only one, but uh, he's had an awesome time. Got to see his cousin as well, who's two. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's fun to get the family together. Mm-hmm. What about you? How was your holidays? Uh, Yeah, pretty good. Kept pretty busy. Took some time off, but didn't really go anywhere. Just been playing League a lot, and... uh started uh missing one day of league lately instead of just going all out so we'll see how i do this time around i guess so it's normally two days a week and you're only going one no or- no um i started taking like one day off a month from oh, league. okay it's, it's uh every saturday so i've been taking off one saturday a month instead of going to all four weeks i see okay okay yeah. It's kind of hard when it's on a Saturday. I don't know. I'd prefer it to be on like Thursday night would be fantastic because I don't have to work Friday. So. But I went to both both stores recently started talking to one of the owners at the other store about league and she was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's great. You know, we're going to have uh, Lorcana League on Saturdays and Sundays. And I was like, ah, because she started it off with we're moving our Lorcana League. And I was like, Yes, because they always had theirs on Sunday. So I was like, maybe it won't be on a weekend. And then she's like, we're removing it and adding a day to Saturday and Sunday. So I'm like, well, it's not really moving it. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's hard. Like I think there's there's, there's too much magic stuff at one store that I'm at. Um, it's like every Friday there's the magic stuff and Saturday there's a magic stuff because like while we're sitting there doing Lurkana League, a bunch of Magic players start walking in, and they're like, oh, we're going to need these tables over here, so you guys just go play at those tables. And I'm like, man, can we not get anything? Like, well, hey, does man. the whole world run on Magic? Magic's been around a long time. It's got a lot of fans. Yeah, there's there's seven days. Well, they have they coined Friday Night Magic like 20 years ago. Yeah, so give us Thursday Night Lurkana. I mean, I feel like you should be able to have Thursday. I'll take Thursday night Lurkana. Yeah, it's trouble. Like I, it's it's hard. Like I love having Tuesday nights as a time to play, but for a lot of people, like a weeknight like that is not good. So it's mm. just hard. You know, we're all adults trying to schedule things, and yeah, Friday night would obviously be the best for the most people. Um, but most stores are already booked with Friday night magic. So Saturdays, yeah pretty booked up too i did talk to quite a few people in our league at saturday about it Mm -hmm. and i just said like yeah you know maybe i'll try and discuss like see if the owner is receptive to doing a thursday night i know they don't close the store until a bit later you know maybe we started at like six Mm o'clock and i'll just basically go straight from work to there and and do that Mm -hmm. and uh a couple people there were like yeah i'd be down for thursday night so I was like, okay, okay. So if we can get the ball rolling on Thursday nights, we might be set. Yeah, give it a try. As long as most of your play mm. group, like, if it works for the people that are showing up, 
and maybe brings a couple more people in totally worth it if Mm. you're and that's the thing right is like nobody at our league we don't have any kids at our league it's all parents and adults playing so i'm like i mean come on we're busy on saturdays we're busy on the weekend it's the only time we get to really spend with our kids so let's throw a thursday in there yeah i mean if kids want to play as long as you're done by like 8 30 right like that should work for most mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we should dive in to my first question of the evening. Do you want to be the very best like no one ever was? Oh, you know I do. I saw this news and I, I lost it. I, I I almost fell out of my chair. I was so excited. We finally have the all the information. Well, no, I shouldn't say all the information. We have information about the World Championship 2025. And slated for early 2025. I assume that means quarter one. Although technically quarter two could still be considered early. But I kind of doubt it. Because Mm -hmm. I think quarter one, because quarter two will start the ball rolling for, you know, World Championship 2026. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be a competitive circuit that begins in May for North America and Europe. Sorry, other regions. (laughs) There's going to be regional level tournaments called Disney Lorcana Challenges. Uh, The top four players will earn invites to the North American or European Championship event, which are going to be held in the fourth quarter. And they say, aside from that, there will be other opportunities to qualify. Now, how how does that part sound to you? It sounds very exciting, and it sounds like quite a challenge. Obviously, you're going to have to be doing pretty good if I actually want to ever see a Worlds in person, in play, not just me watching from the audience. Yeah. But although, I also wouldn't mind watching from the audience. You know, oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true. Maybe spectating? Or, uh, I, I'm, what, I didn't mean spectating, I meant announcing. There you go. Live podcasting, maybe? Hmm? You want to you wanna call a game, you know? Ooh, that'd be pretty fun. And then Mushu drops Rockstar Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> the top players from the championship events of the national North America and Europe will earn invites to the world championship. So it's like a three tiered step. You win your regional or do well enough in regional then do well enough in national. Then you're on to the worlds. Now I could see how some people would be discouraged because a regional event is probably going to have, let's just say, 50 players if not more mm-hmm. and they're saying the top four players will qualify for the next step that's tough so you're saying there's a chance it's i'm just saying it's tough <laughs> like not mm-hmm. only do you need to be a really good player that like makes the right plays and you need to be playing a good deck and you need to draw well in your matchups you know it's it's tough to to top four it's not easy now it shouldn't be easy to get an invite to nationals i don't think you know the you want it to be the best of the best um but i understand why some people would feel that it's a little restrictive but they do also say there will be other opportunities to qualify now that is the world championship and they dropped in addition to this, a set championship, which will be 
a local competitive event where you get a promo enchanted card. In this case, it's going to be Stitch Rockstar with some absolutely uh, awesome looking artwork. What do you think about that? I need it. I need it more than anything. Well, you just have to top four your local into the Inklands Championship event. Mm-hmm. And you'll have one. And in top two, you so, get a playmat too. Oh, so are you saying that I have to start playing Ruby Amethyst? <laughs> I don't think so. No. I mean, first of all. No, I've actually been playing something else. And I'm going to see how it works out. I think I actually uh, was testing it out and beat a Ruby Amethyst. I believe it was Ruby Amethyst before coming on here tonight. This is an Into the Inklands tournament. So, I mean, a whole new set's going to be tournament legal. Who knows what's going to be good? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in addition to that, we got news about a new product named the Disney Lorcana Gateway. And this isn't coming out till August, which puts it at what? Uh, the set five, I think. Mm-hmm. Set four will be May. Yeah. So with set five, you get two 30 card decks and rules and player guides and an additional 60 cards so that you end up with two 60 card decks. And all of that for $24.99. I think this is a pretty awesome product basically like a starter deck but there's two of them it's two starter decks for 24.99 now you're mm-hmm. not getting the booster pack included anymore or with this mm-hmm. product there may still be individual starter decks as well but this one really forces you to it's more of a bare bones starter deck to really introduce people to the game but then it's going to tell you like oh now that you've completed a game you're going to add these cards to your deck and I don't know how many games that'll play out over, but it'll like really teach you deck building, which I think was the idea with the original starter deck as well, right? It's like, here's a 60 card deck and a booster pack. Mm-hmm. But, you know, are you really going to get more than maybe one or two cards that you're going to add to your deck out of the booster pack? Probably not. And maybe the two, you know, the one or two cards that you open with your ink color aren't even really what you want to add. So, um, well, and I should also say by set five, the game's going to be a lot more complicated. There's going to be mm-hmm. more stuff going on. So having uh, a simpler starter deck experience makes a lot of sense. You know, probably the 30 cards won't have locations, but maybe you'll each add a location as you go along or something like that. The last piece of news we got with this kind of whole reveal was a statement from philip frankie the global head of games at ravensburger Mm -hmm. and i thought there was an interesting tidbit in here he said disney lorcana tcg has struck a chord with players collectors and fans around the world and we're so grateful for the sport it has proven to be a fantastic entry point for first-time tcg players and we'll continue to do everything in our power to make the product available at their uh, msrp pricing that's not the interesting part i mean it's nice to hear that they're going to they're going to keep printing the product mm-hmm. as we move into 2024 we will continue to support our growing and diverse community through new discoveries for collectors Ooh. this is the tidbit that really stuck out to me new discoveries for collectors 
organized play and competitive events for players and new products that help beginning fans take their first steps into trading card games. I mean, it seems like we kind of already know like the gateway is an example of that, right? Yeah. Oh, and he finishes off with, we're only just getting started, but consumer feedback and industry data supports our belief that this game will be around for a very long time. I mean, of course they're going to say that, but it's still nice to hear, (laughs) but I want to dive into what do you think he means by new discoveries for collectors. He's not just saying we're going to keep printing 12 enchanted cards each set. That's not what a statement like that means. What do you think that means? I'm not quite sure. Um, I, it could be possibly just cards that, uh, that's the thing. Cause I'm like that technically these, these championship cards that you can get the, uh, enchanted stitches. No, no, no. You're way off base. You're way off base. Those are something that a collector would want, but that's a, something that only a player can get. So yeah, I mean, a collector could buy them, but that's not what they're talking about. If they're saying new discoveries through for collectors, I believe they're talking about a product that comes inside of a booster pack. Could even be something similar to what Magic does, where they have like certain packs where there's what draft packs, booster packs, and collectors packs. If they do that, I'm I'm not really that interested. No, well, I don't think they're going that direction. Yeah. I don't like the idea of having the three tier style booster pack. It's uh Well Magic's already said they're moving away from that. Good. Because I was gonna say it's it's ridiculous that you can charge fifty bucks for one booster pack. It just seems utterly ridiculous to me. I mean so at one point set yeah, one was pretty close. I don't know. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that is true. Got up to like eighteen twenty a pack. <laughs> hmm But no, I think you know there's yeah, just to update you on magic. They have, they're still collector boosters, but they got rid of draft and play booster or draft and set boosters. And now they're called play boosters. So they brought it down to two, Um, but that's neither here nor there. I'm thinking, are we talking about special alternate art stuff? Which I mean, kind of is already what enchanted is. Are we maybe going to get serialized cards? You know, a one of 500, a one of a thousand collectors love that kind of stuff what do you think ben yeah i don't know i can see that it's it's tough to say because they also said they didn't want they didn't want things that like separated people early on but it was more like they didn't want people that couldn't get a card that they could play with so i mean alternate art seems like the biggest thing but that's like enchanted like you said what about serialized cards what do you think about that would they be would they just be like alternate art serialized cards or yes, would they actually yes, be cards be, that somebody could play? Okay. I don't think they would do mechanically unique serialized cards. That's definitely not the way the direction they're going. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say I find it interesting, but I also will say that as somebody who has absolutely terrible luck pulling enchanteds <laughs> that, that I almost hope not because I'll probably never get any of those one of 500 cards if they ever did that. I think you're being unfair to yourself. I think you've done really good with end of the inklings which are not into the inklings rise of the floodborne rather um yes i've i've done decent with rise of the floodborne i've gotten two you've done good yeah and you didn't open a ton of product yeah i probably opened less than the first chapter exactly exactly i mean it's not like you i don't think have you even opened like a whole case uh probably not that'd be a good question i'd say i'm a lot farther off from having uh, five of every card in this one. Not that I'm aiming to. I'm, I've been doing quite a bit of trading this one. Yeah. 
I'm in the works to trade for an enchanted Hercules right now. Possibly. I've got a sad boy beast. So if I threw sad boy beast and a couple extra cards in there, I might be able to get that enchanted Hercules or you might pretty close in price. Yeah. No kidding. I'm trying to trade for a sad boy beast. Actually, I'm trying to open a sad boy beast, but we're not quite there yet. First, there are a few tournaments I wanted to talk about. First one I want to talk about is near and dear to me just because it's in the Seattle area. It was the laughing dragon one K. Uh, this happened just a few days ago. There was 50 participants and there isn't a top deck because the top four split only two of the top four are Ruby amethyst and they're pretty different lists. Uh, one is running like Pinocchio and LeFou and four Arthurs and is a much more aggressive version. Uh, in fact, not even playing be prepared, which is very interesting. Uh, and then the other one is a more traditional control with the Be Prepared, Maleficent, uh, just two, but also running the Peter Pan's Shadow, which I think is a pretty cool play, giving your Rush characters evasive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we also have a Mufasa deck, and then we also have a kind of reworked Popsicle deck. It's got Heroic Outlaw, it's got one brave little tailor it's got one tomatoa it's got bells you know it's a, a very different list from the original popsicles we were seeing it's got one dinner bell mm-hmm. you know very interesting list um very cool to see something like that shaking its way back up to the top Uh, The other top four, or the other bottom four of the top eight, I should say. Uh, Three more Ruby Amethysts and uh, a Steel Song Flute deck. So, I mean, I guess when you shake it down, still five of the top eight were Ruby Amethysts. Steel Song, though, that's kind of something... That's kind of something I'm surprised to see. I haven't really seen a lot of Steel Song lately. I saw one at League last week from actually a newcomer, so that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, it's definitely something that's uh, kind of gone by the wayside. And, I mean, Amber Steel is still definitely around, but, yeah, you don't haven't seen a lot of flutes lately. Um, this list is playing four of them. Uh, it is also playing the Tragic Hero. Uh, it's playing Tinkerbell. So it's not, it's a very different list than that one we saw when the set first came out. Uh, that for when all those cards, it was kind of just Cinderella, Ariel, uh, Rockstar Stitch, and uh, what's the, uh, the Queen? What's the other shift? Yeah. This list is a little bit more diverse. It's got Rapunzel's, you know, so. It's got Gaston's. Gaston. The budget area. Yeah, somebody actually played it. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think it was this. No. It was somebody else who was playing uh, Sapphire Amber that had Gaston's in their deck. And it kind of surprised me because I was like, Ariel's clearly the better option. Why wouldn't you put Ariel in here instead? Well, yes and no. You know, Gaston trades with. the fox whereas ariel just dies to the fox Mm. Uh, there's a lot of 
three willpower going around in those uh, amethyst bounce cards. I mean, mm-hmm. the goat has three, the snake has three, the crab has three, the fox has three. So, like, all those cards can take out Ariel and survive, but they all die to Gaston. Um, so, I think that's uh, something that may get missed by some players, but is pretty, pretty impactful. There was also a Cerebus 1K. I don't want to spend too long on all these. Um, but Ruby Amethyst uh, took the first place. And there was also one, two, three more. So four of the top eight. And then uh, taking second and uh, second was a Tiana deck. Uh, Amber Steel with Tiana, which I think is a really cool play. I really want to get Tiana going. I like the whole blocking, be prepared, blocking the um, grab your swords. Um, just telling your opponent they can't play their cards is really fun for, for the, for you, not for them, but for you. And yeah. and nobody's going to get mad that you're sticking it to the guy playing be prepared at this point. So, Exactly. You know, they got to take it back a bit too, you know? Yeah. So I'd like to <laughs> mess around and play with that. Uh, just finding the right combination for Tiana um, needs testing, but I, I do think there's something there. And there was one popsicle deck showing up here too. Uh, again, Bell making an appearance. This one's a lot more similar to the original list um, with the addition mm-hmm. of Bell. Yes, they're realizing that she's a really nice finisher, which makes sense. And then the last one I had pulled up is Charlie's collectible show January 1K. Uh, really cool store. Like I got a really cool mural outside um, or inside. Is that inside or outside? I think it's inside. Never mind. Um, but <laughs> your favorite, Ruby Amethyst, taking number one, two, Three, four, five, six. Six of the top eight are Ruby Amethyst. Oh, boy. Uh, and then we got a Amethyst Steel and a Amber Ruby Mufasa deck. So the reign of Amethyst Ruby continues for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I heard you saying that Big Boss Steve Warner says, "Don't worry, we got something for you in the next set." Yeah, I believe there was a tweet where somebody was asking about control. Mm-hmm. So somebody from the Illumination said, "Hope you don't mind the question, but during a play testing for each of the sets released so far, were there any archetypes that were that you're surprised?" haven't been as popular and did you visage i can't i don't know how to read them i'm a terrible reader anyways steve so steve on the tweet said we we did expect control it tends to be what a lot of experienced players like because it removes that randomness aspect i think we can expect things to change up quite a bit with into the inklands and when the op plans get announced okay 
followed it up, somebody asked him, can we expect to have, or can we have an actual control deck, one with no characters, please? And Steve replied, no. Just one word, just straight up no. <laughs> Which I really, really enjoyed that. No. I mean, I feel he did like follow it up later on when somebody asked why not or when the same person asked why not. He did follow it up and say characters are the main part of the game. So what would be the point? Kind of is yeah. a short version of what he said. I think the real answer to that question is not no. It's not yet. Not anytime I mean, I'm soon. Sure somebody, I'm sure somebody will somehow go around and build some sort of deck that they just want to play that's completely control and nobody gets to have fun. I mean, they've already broken the barrier with items that can gain you lore. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like the, the bones are there. It's possible. It will it ever be the mm -hmm. top tier deck. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Characters just tend to have a bit more value than item cards or action cards mm -hmm. but i mean will it be possible to build a deck without characters that like will play decent at a casual event sure i think so do i think it'll be anytime soon no i hope not yeah but i mean we got locations now too mm -hmm. there's you know the, the possibilities there i don't know the hard i mean we're already partially there yeah i mean him saying a hard no i think uh you know, he may not be designing it that way, but I think, and you know, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Now with that, I think it's time for a pack break. All right. I have to continue my hunt for the tragic hero. And since well, I missed last week, I brought two packs today. Oh, you brought two. Okay. Well, I'll go grab one. I'll open first and last. Okay. Should I start with the queen pack or the riot pack? I'd say the queen pack. Queen pack. Okay. There we go. Ooh. It ripped open nicely. Radigan, Improvise, Corellaville, Piglet, Honey Wizard, Industrial Broom, uh, Industrial Magic Broom, Industrial Model. I just mixed. <laughs> uh, Fan Crossbow, Card Soldiers, Mouse Armor. Gaston Intellectual Powerhouse, Namari Nemesis, and a Foiled Dinner Bell. I mean, Foiled Dinner Bell's cool. I mean, Gaston, uh, Gaston's not an exciting pull. Namari, I don't hate Namari, but it's not an exciting pull. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Overall disappointment. Um, oh, favorite card from the pack, I forgot. You know, I'm going to shout out my boy, the Honey Wizard. Just still love this artwork. <laughs> Still do not have the play mat. Starting to feel like I won't ever have it. I guess I'll just have to be okay yeah. with that. It's one thing that I kind of wish they would reprint is like throw some more play play mats. Like most stores only got one. It's hard. It's hard. You don't want to like you want to sell accessories, but you also don't want to just like dump too many accessories. I get that, but it's like most stores only got one. My store yeah. still still has like three to four booster boxes of both sets right now. And but like by the no time play mats, they got the binder. Nobody wants the binder anymore. They still got the binder. I'm pretty sure they oh, still they got even... sleeves. 
Yeah, the binder, the binder, I think was a miss. Um, I don't boxes, think it should have had the over. Stores have deck boxes discounted. Yeah, and sleeves. I think uh, people got a lot of sleeves uh, this time around too. Yeah, I have seen people playing with like the the Sisu sleeves. I mean, I'm finally gonna buy a pack of sleeves next set when I'm getting getting my boy Robin Hood sleeves. Okay, okay. Are you gonna resleeve your whole collection of Robin Robin Hood sleeves? No, just whatever deck I'm playing, I'm just gonna uh, resleeve. Okay, okay. I'm I'm not wasting money on sleeves anymore. I can't do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just are you saying that triple sleeving your entire collection is a waste? No, I'm not saying it's a waste. I'm saying you only need to triple sleeve your deck. Well, no, I thought you wanted to triple sleeve, and I thought you did triple sleeve your entire collection. Oh, I triple sleeved my collection. And then I was like, I only need the cards that are part of my playset. And then everything else is in top loaders. And then the second set came out, and then I was like, okay, now I only need to triple sleeve the cards that I'm actually playing with. And then the rares just get put into, I think, either perfect fits or penny sleeves. I think it was perfect fits, so they're just like ready to go rares and up. Mm -hmm. And then all the commons are now sitting in an uncommon and common box that is uh, labeled by color and separated with dividers for set one and set two. Oh, I'm excited about those dividers coming in the trove. Oh, yeah, that makes me want to buy multiple uh, troves just to get extra dividers so I can actually like have proper dividers for my cards yeah, pretty stoked because right that. now i am dividing the commons and uncommons using the uh mickey mouse brave little taylor and the mini mouse diver card mm -hmm. i just throw those in a sleeve yeah oh those would be cool um all right go ahead and open your pack all right all right here we go i had to go out and buy a pack because you know i had to save those other two that you sent me mm-hmm <laughs> something else that we got coming up but that's just a little a little taster of what's to come all right card number one jasmine happy jiminy cricket mulan donald duck sleepwalker tiana pinocchio talkative puppet mother gothel mouse armor Ugh. perplexing signposts yikes Mickey Mouse friendly face and Gaston intellectual powerhouse foil. Hey, at least you got a foil one. Mm hmm. That's like my third one. I almost have a playset of Gaston foils to go along with my playset of uh, the Queen foils. How many certain decks did you open? Uh, one. Oh, so you've gotten three out of packs, Yeah. And your favorite card? Mm. I want to say Mickey Mouse because I tried making it work. But I'm going to go with... Hmm. Oh man, this one card has a print line right down the middle of it. Ooh. It's just a common though, so I'm not worried about it. 
Uh, I'm going to just go with uh, Mickey Mouse. Friendly face. Okay, okay. You know, six cost. Drop your cost by three. All right. Minnie Mouse, Hypnotize, The Knock, Snow White, Elsa, Donald Duck, Belle, Nick Wilde, Pinocchio Talkative Puppet, Teeth and Ambitions. I mean, that's a good card. Mulan Reflecting. And the Foil Fast Cannon. Yeah, it's a big Still time no bust. Sad beast. No, there's a Sad Charles, though. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe I should just trade you my Sad Beast for that heat enchanted that you got you know i was supposed to go i didn't make it to league tonight i really wanted to but there's a lot of stuff going on and uh mm -hmm. there's one person who was gonna trade me a sad boy beast and hopefully i mean i already missed him last week because i was on vacation hopefully if i'm lucky he'll still have it for me next week hopefully Hopefully he tunes in and listens to my plea. Please, sir. You know who you are. I need your tragic hero. I'll have to trade him a mountain of cards for it, though, because everything else is pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that uh, there's not a lot of uh, expensive cards in this second set. There's tragic the hero. Sad boy beast, essentially. I yeah. mean, Arthur's an expensive card. Um... I think Cinderella for being a rare is an expensive card still. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, we just kind of have, you know, we're looking through the glasses of what set one used to cost. I mean, Mufasa, Mufasa's worth something. Yeah. Yeah. Mufasa's definitely, he's like what? 17 bucks right now. Uh, 22 oh. is what I'm currently Oh, seeing. wow. Good thing I've already got my play set. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's in Canadian I, bucks. 1975 here. Ah, uh, I think I'm getting, like, the average, because it's... Oh, okay. Dreamborn, I think, which goes off the average of TCG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just look at the lowest listing. Yeah. I got all my, uh... Whatchamacallit? All my Mufasas, actually, off of somebody... Back when they were like seven bucks. Yeah, I think he was around was, ten when I traded for him. Yeah, really easy trade. I'll take that all day. And I opened a foil Mufasa, which is pretty cool. What's the foil go for? Let's see. Foil Mufasa, $33. Oof. It's pretty. Hey, man, how do you think I feel? I traded away a, a foil sad boy beast. Ooh. Uh, for... I mean, he was always expensive, so you probably got your value out of it. Mm. I mean, he has gone up, I know, but he's he's never cheap. He like he filled out some of the foils that I needed from the first chapter, and then a couple cards. Mm. I think I talked about it on the pod. I ended up getting like Alice, which is worth not much. Um, Sisu, not much, and then like a foil to Ka, 
and a couple other cards. Yeah. First I'm trading wants Alice's. So I said I got I think he only wants two though, so I was like, well I got a foil one, I got a regular one, and I'll give you whatever else you want to get this beast. I need the beast. I, I want to play steel, but you just can't play without it. I only have two. If I trade, at least I'd have three. It's still not four, but I feel like at least if you have three, you can feel good about building a deck around that. Well, you feel better about it at least. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, still not great. You still want four, but I don't feel silly at least. <sighs> I guess it'll have to wait until next week, gentlemen, ladies. <laughs> We have a ton of new cards to get through. Let's start with Pongo Determined Father. He is a three cost inkable with three strength, two willpower, amber storyborn hero, one lore, twilight bark. Once per turn, you may pay two ink to reveal the top card of your deck. If it's a character card, put it in your hand. Otherwise, put it on the bottom of your deck. What do you think about that, Ben? Mm, I don't know. I'm not really interested in it. I don't really plan on using it. It's It kind of works with Mufasa, I guess. Because if it's not a character, then it goes to the bottom of your deck, gives you a better chance of hitting with that Mufasa. I mean, I don't really follow. Uh, I mean, the only way I would say that it goes with Mufasa is that if you're putting this card, putting either card in a deck, you're probably have almost all characters. Mm -hmm. You know, the typical Mufasa Plus, deck runs like 56 characters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like I'm saying, if, if you've got 56 characters, well, you're saying if you pay you two Bongo, and you, and you pay get the, the non character and check and it's like, oh, it's bibbity bobbity boo. I guess I that mean, goes to the bottom of the deck. I just don't and agree then Mufasa that that dies. Matters. No, but what I will That's say, why I said I, I, was, I was looking for something to make it work. I don't really see much to make it work. What do you mean you don't see much to make it work? First of all, it says pay to draw a card, basically. Like, yeah, I guess so. I'm draw a character card. Yeah, well, if you build a deck around, like if you're putting this in a deck, you have pretty much all character cards. Okay, but this is also when Into the Inklands comes out, where we're getting locations as well. Just because there are locations in the game doesn't mean you have to play them. Okay. I mean, there's been items in the game since the first set. The Mufasa deck doesn't play any items. Mm -hmm. I guess it might play. That depends. Okay. It plays the um, lantern or it plays just in time. And that's that's it. But it's like 56 cards or characters. But I'm just saying. Win. You can still. Yeah. Yeah. It does. We just talked about a tournament where it top aided but twice. Top aided, but did it first? Well, I think the one didn't have it first. Mm hmm. It was a four-way split, you know. So all I'm saying is, you just asked. You yeah. asked me earlier if I want to be the very best. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you only need to make top four to get to the next level of event. Top four regional. Now you're going to nationals. Okay, okay, there, bud. As a wise man once said, "If you're not first, you're last." You're gonna end up being last with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what I wish. I wish this card said, like, 
If it's a Dalmatian puppy, put it in play. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe that'd be too good, though. But it's already limited once per turn. Yep. It'd be kind of cool if it just put the Dalmatian... Just because it's Pongo. It would just be so... So... Pongo-y. You know, so thematic. If like It's like, oh, you reveal a Dalmatian puppy? Which you could have literally four Pongos and 56 Dalmatian puppies. Ugh. I just thought that'd be really cool. But, alas, that's not what it does. Uh, what are you giving this card for a playability? Two. Wow. Okay. And the artwork here? Uh, 3.6. Okay. Okay. It's got, uh, it's got some of my favorite puppies on there. It's got Rolly. I believe that's Lucky as well. So, you know, I like, I like those two pups. I like the, <laughs> the trees in the background. This, this kind of fall leaves look with the uh, bright light shining behind them, making, Pongo look all stoic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's about it. It's all right. I think the artwork looks pretty rad. I like though how the trees are bending into each other, creating this like tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, Pongo looks legit. The the like ambering the artwork to match, you know, the amber ink color. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's done actually quite tastefully. Considering how, like, it is a lot of amber, but it's done in a tasteful way where it's like, oh, dried up grass. Like, it, like it makes sense, you know. It's the fall; the grass mm-hmm. is dried up, the leaves are turning red and orange, the sun's in the background, you know, like a sunset kind of lighting in the back. Uh, I think it's well done. I give it a four. Uh, as for playability, a three cost three two that you can pay two to draw a card. I think is at least a three. Is it a four? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. It's a four. Amber likes drawing cards. I mean, everybody likes drawing cards. Why am I saying Amber likes drawing cards? Amber likes playing a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they are the go wide color. Um, So this plays perfectly into that kind of strategy. Paying two to draw a card is pretty good. And I'm into it. Next up, we have the Sorcerer's Hat. It is a two-cost inkable amethyst item. And its ability is incredible energy. Exert and pay one ink. Name a card, then reveal the top card of your deck. If it's the named card, put that card into your hand. Otherwise, put it on the top of your deck. What do you think about that, Ben? Yeah, I can see see that, that Mulan song working well with this, I guess. Yeah? Um... Yeah, it's, it's it's I don't know I don't know it's or what was the really something. what was the item in the first set? It's like I mean you have the Isma. Would you say was it reflection? No, 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 no. I'm talking. I said item. I think I said item. Yeah. The exert cauldron. Yes, the cauldron. Yes. I mean, you would know what the top card of your deck is, mm-hmm. uh, and I think we're gonna see a similar type thing. In sapphire as well, but I mean Ursula Cauldron obviously in the same ink color. You don't have to go out of ink, and you could pretty much always know what the top card of deck is. So you have the Isma as well. Mm-hmm. Look at the top card of deck you can put it on the bottom. So mm. there's plenty of ways to know what the top card of your deck is, and just pay one and exert to draw a card. What do you think about that? Uh yeah, it could work out really well, I guess, with the ability to put it in your hand. I don't know, I. I understand it, but I also don't enjoy 
I do and I don't enjoy it. I prefer Simba's uh, slot machine over the name a card slot machine. Mufasa rather? In your hand. Yeah, sorry. The I prefer the Mufasa slot machine over the name a card and put it in your hand slot machine. I prefer the card being out on the field. I don't prefer it just sitting in my hand. I mean, this one's easier to manipulate, though. It is. It's a lot easier to manipulate. I just... I mean, I do have a problem with Mufasa as well. Like, your Mufasa gets taken out, and now that card's exerted, and I'm like, ah! But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think for, for the right player, this is a card that they're going to really enjoy. I plan on keeping up my tradition of steering as far away from Amethyst as I can. So what are you giving this card? <laughs> Uh, I'll give it a three. Not for me, but I could see that somebody else is going to use it. You know what? I'll, I'll say it's a four because somebody else is definitely going to use it. Okay. And the artwork? Artwork-wise, the artwork's fantastic. Um, a lot of good colors. Obviously, it's um, the Spelunker Mini is finding it because right there it says Mini approached it cautiously in the flavor text. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, and you can see the ears in the background uh, a yes, hidden exactly. mickey you might call it i don't know it's not that hidden though <laughs> i'm kind of wondering what's in the top right corner here which kind of looks like some sort of like bug or creature staring at it it's hard to tell what that is but uh i like the way that her her headlamp is kind of shining on it and yeah i think it looks pretty good uh, i'll give it a it's like a three seven. It's not my favorite art, but it's still pretty good. It'll look yeah, good four. As a I think foil. you're about right there. Um, mm -hmm. pretty awesome item. I mean, the old sorcerer's hat from Fantasia, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. Uh, on the playability side, I think it's a one. Oh, baited me. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, just an item that can draw you a card, but to reliably draw you a card, you need a different card so you know what the top card of your deck is. Yeah, it's a one. Like, I mean, I think it should maybe cost one more, but then you don't have to pay one when you exert it. Because mm -hmm. if you like, Imagine if you don't have the other card, so you you don't know what the top card of your deck is. You're paying one to, like, on a prayer, draw a card. Yep. Yeah, I don't love it. I think it's a one. I don't think you'll see people playing it very much. Uh, on to Distract. A two-cost inkable action in Sapphire. And it says chosen character gets minus two strength this turn, draw a card. I'm going to give this a one as well. And for the artwork... I give it a three. I actually don't. I feel like I've seen this character, but I don't know what movie he's from. Uh, he's the giant from uh, Mickey with the Brave Little Tailor. Oh, I have no idea. Not, I've never seen this character wait, before. Then. Maybe I'm wrong. Hold on. It's Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yeah. No, I definitely never watched that. Yeah. Um. So, hold on a second. Did you say earlier what you gave Pongo for playability? Yes. And what was that number? I believe I gave him a four. 
And did you not say, well, defending Pongo, once per turn you get to play this, pay this two ink, and you get to draw a card. But this one is two ink, which takes off two strength from another character, and you get to draw a card. So are you not paying two ink to draw a card here? No. <laughs> no, because this is just replacing itself. Mm. Pongo, you have a character on the table, and you're then drawing a card. You're getting positive, like, card economy. Distract doesn't put you plus one card. Like, it, you know, depending how... Some, some people kind of think of it differently. But for me, like, and when I'm thinking about card advantage, I think of your basic, like, action is minus one card. A body on the field is even. Because, like, it's going to be there turn after turn until it's been removed. Um, so this is a net zero action because it replaces itself but it doesn't create card advantage pongo creates card advantage i mean it creates the advantage that you can swing into something or quest or yeah do any number of things oh no i meant with like distract if somebody plays like a, a oh, two two on turn yeah. one and then they quest you could essentially take off that two strike yeah. and take it out i just think it should have either been a song or I don't know. It's like you probably can't make that cost one be too good if it costs one. But I mean, also, would it? I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'll it, give it a two. It would be power creep if it costs one. But I I'll, 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 I'll give it a two, but just because, uh, just because I could see somebody using it in like a draft or a sealed. Well, you just needed to get a, a card in there. Yeah, I don't rate cards based on how good they'd be in draft. I mean, I'd be giving out a lot more fives. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, um, overall, I don't really expect a lot of people to play it because there are better draw card cards out there. You're going to try to troll call me out and then you're going to give it a two? <laughs> well, I was just calling you out for saying, you know, one lets you draw a card when the other one also lets you draw a card. Well, Pongo can draw you cards over multiple turns. Uh, I mean, he can, but I'm definitely going to be playing Storm Rage on against him if I'm playing Steel. Yeah, if you're playing Steel and if you have the Storm Rage on or a Smash or whatever, sure. Sure, maybe you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Got removal out of your hand on a three-cost character. Well, I mean, I get to draw a card as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all about that card draw, right? It is. It is. Um. Yeah, I'll give him two for playability and two for artwork. I'm not really impressed. It's kind of yeah. meh art. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that his little shoulder pad kind of thing is part of the silo and that his gauntlet. I think it's kind of interesting that he's almost armored up based off of, I guess, falling through a house. Yeah, that's true. Or a, wind, a windmill, essentially. Yeah. You know, honestly, I didn't even really pay attention to that until now you pointed it out. That's kind of the, the most interesting thing about the card, so yeah, I'll say two. It's not terrible art, but it's not a card that's going to be memorable for me. All right. Next, let's talk about, and you kind of have to talk about them together, Flotsam and Jetsam. 
they're both three cost inkable characters. Flotsam uh, Riffraff is a five strength, two willpower, uh, Emerald Dreamborn Ally uh, with Eerie Pair. Uh, your characters named Jetsam get plus three strength, and he has one lore. And then Jetsam Riffraff is a two strength, two willpower, two lore with Ward, and your character's name Flotsam gain Ward. What do you think about these guys? I like them because technically first chapter Jetsam and Flotsam coming back and you can have a Jetsam Flotsam deck where they're getting Ward, they're getting Rush, they're getting Evasive, I believe it was, and they're getting plus three strength on some of them. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like that. Like it, it, it makes it so cards that you thought were pretty useless or I won't say useless, but less useful than other cards suddenly become more useful. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested to see somebody start throwing more Jetsums and Flotsums in their decks. Uh, as far as artwork goes, it's kind of interesting to me because the purple i don't know what you'd call that the kind of neon purple light behind them mm -hmm. on each of their cards you can tell it's actually a piece uh like it's on flotsam it's the tail coming down from jetsam and on jetsam it's the tail coming across behind from flotsam mm. so they're essentially in each other's cards but also not in a way i see what you're saying okay okay hmm So yeah, it's pretty interesting. I like that. Um, that's a that's a nice piece of detail for sure. Although yeah. no, it can't. Could it really be? Because I mean, it looks like on one hand I see what you're saying, but it seems like the background matches with the cards with Flotsam on the left. It looks like there's kind of a broken ladder going across the bottom. I mean, I guess so, but like he's also going down, right? And the I think it's actually supposed to be like a window. I think one's kind of coming through the window and the other's um, looking through the broken window. Different angles. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I do see like on Flotsam, he's like starting to get more purple out towards the base of his body. So I do see what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty rad. Uh, sorry, you go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, artwork, I'll go 3.5 and playability. I think if you can make it work, it's going to be pretty interesting to see. Um, uh, between a three and a four, uh, four, I guess, because I'm, I'm kind of wanting to see where people go with this. Having having the fact that you could like get them all out and have lots of strength, rush, evasive, and ward is uh, kind of an interesting combination for me. What do you think, Charles? Yeah, I think I think uh, the art's really awesome here. 
I actually think it's probably a five. You know, I'm looking back at, I didn't really love the Jetson Plotsam uh, in the first chapter uh, as mm-hmm. far as the art is concerned. And I think because it's still, uh, oh, they let the same artist do them both this time. And maybe that's what I like about it. That there's there a more go. uniform art for each of them. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give them a five for the pair. I think they look really cool. I think it's kind of cool that there's a lot of amethyst going on in the art. It's kind of like a callback to the original ones being amethyst. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how I look at it. Makes sense. Makes sense. But then they're kind of green to some, you know, to show that they are emerald now. Um, As for the playability... Jetsum. Jetsum from the first set doesn't really need. He's already evasive. He doesn't really need plus three strength. Uh, giving Flotsam from the first set. He's a rush character. Giving him a, a ward. I mean, isn't bad. Mm, I don't know. I think probably like a one. Like, you know, these cards that all depend on other cards tend to just, I don't know. It's like everything sounds cool on paper, but it doesn't play out that way. No, it's very much uh, luck in this, right? You know, flotsam. Like trading card games are. Well, it's not, but it's not luck like when it comes to deck building. Like you, cards need to be able to stand on their own. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think Flotsam stands on his own. You know, now that I, you know, I'm going to give Flotsam the one for playability. Jetsam Riffraff, on the other hand, is three for a 2-2 two, two with two lore and ward. That's not terrible. I'll give him a three. Two lore with ward, you know. It ain't bad. It ain't bad. It's a two. It's a two. Talk myself down. A one <laughs> for Flotsam, a two for Jetsam. Now, speaking of cards that are designed to be played together, we've got Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Huey. Two cost inkable, uh, two strength, two willpower, one lore, sapphire with support. And whenever this character quests, if you have characters named Dewey and Louie in play, you may draw three cards. That is a big potential effect for a two cost character. Rely on your cards, but you have to have two other specific characters in play. Dewey costs three. For a 2-3 with 2 lore and support. And Louis costs 4 for a 3-4 with 2 lore and support. I saw somebody comment that like, oh, this is perfect for the Alice deck. And I was kind of just thinking in my head, 
if you're playing Alice, why would you play a bunch of characters that have support as an ability? Like she gives all your characters <laughs> exactly. support. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I was a little confused by that statement, but um, support's not bad. You know, they're doing the Louis quest for two. The Huey, I just, you know, I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. What can I say? I don't see Huey ever drawing you three cards. Yeah, I believe it was Jaunty from uh, Into the Inkland. Or no, jeez, uh, from the Inkwell that's, yeah. that kind of pointed out that the ability should actually be on Dewey. Because if you get Huey out, somebody's going to try and take him out before you get out Dewey and Louie. Yeah. And if it was on Dewey, then it's like you get Huey out, you get Dewey out, and then next turn you're definitely getting Louie out, and you can quest. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it would, I mean, yeah. Even then, I even if it was them. that way, I still don't think it's that good. Like, you still need to draw it's, all three of these cards on curve. It's hard to do, too. I was just complaining that I don't like the two-card combos of Jetson and Flotsam. Now we have to go three. Mm -hmm. uh, so then the question becomes, do these cards stand on their own? Does a three-cost, two-three with two lore and support, is that good? Um, is it, Ben? Well, I mean, it's better than Jetsum. Well, I mean, he's got yeah. Ward. Yeah, I don't know. I don't strictly know about that. <laughs> yeah. Ward's I mean, a pretty good ability. The fact that he's got support, that's pretty decent, because at least you're giving two strength to something else. Yeah. Well... I think what I would do is I'd give Flotsam and Jetsam a two for play, or sorry, a three for playability, and then a two for Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Hmm. Yeah. You want a three across the board for these guys? No, a two. Oh, oh, oh three for Flotsam and Jetsam and two for these guys. Yeah, I'm bringing Flotsam and Jetsam down. Okay. And then putting Huey, Dewey, and Louie below them, just because stringing three cards together, like you said, on a curve is going to be... It's it's already not fun when I'm trying to do that with decks that I've built to actually be able to draw the cards that I want on the curve. I'm going to go so, one, one, and one here. Um, you know, it's nice that Dewey has a couple extra willpower, but I mean, like, I just feel like I'd rather have Phil. Than kind of any of these cards. Two for a three one with one lore and support. Like the support helps more because he's giving three strength to something. Because I feel like if you're gonna play cheap support cards, you want like the one threes. You know, to go with them, your one cost one threes that become now a three three or a four three and can swing up really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ones. 
Uh, as for the artwork for me, I don't know. That is, it's not my favorite. Uh, I kind of just kind of go two across the board. It's not offensive, but just not not any of my favorite art. See, I wanted to say four across the board for artwork because mm-hmm. you see, you can see the statue that Dewey's hanging off of in the back of Huey's. Mm-hmm. But then it also doesn't make sense because that treasure chest looks almost like the exact same treasure chest. The one that's hanging underneath Dewey looks like almost the exact same one that's just almost off the card on Huey's. So they can't be like far away and side by side at the same time. Well, and then also Louis. I mean, I'm going to point out that in Huey's artwork, there's three treasure chests. Fair enough. So there's, there's only chest. one that has like a gold looking band. The other one has like a silver band. Okay, but that's just three bottom, that you can see in this one piece. I'm just saying there's multiple treasure chests in this room. There's no but then also, what's think. with like the robot head in Louis? I don't know what's going on there. And then Louis like nowhere near the other two. Like, I don't know where he is. I was kind of hoping they were going to kind of be like in the background of each other's like Jetsam and Flotsam. So 3.6. I've been saving all the locations for last and I'm going to continue doing it. We've got Aurelian Gyro Sensor, a two cost inkable sapphire item seeking knowledge whenever one of your characters quests you may look at the top card of your deck put it either on the top or bottom of your deck there you go now you know what the top card of your deck is now you can play the magicals hat whatever it is the um sorcerer's Sorcerer's hat hat. and draw a card every turn boom problem solved i also like that it's whenever one of your characters quests so if you got like three or four characters on the board You'd be like, you can quest. dig. Oh, yeah. Not the card I need. Quest. Not the card I need. Quest. Oh, there we go. You can definitely potentially dig pretty deep with this card. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could be in like a control matchup and essentially not get to quest at all. So I'm going to give it a one. I mean, Maybe you'd see play just because, like, Hiram, banish it, draw two cards after. But nah, nah, I mean, one. I'm going to give it another one. As for the artwork, I just don't understand it. And, you know, in America, we're taught to hate things we don't understand. So I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> Got him. Got him good. That's twice tonight. I've got you to just burst out laughing. <laughs> oh man. Um, my question is with Hiram, when he quests, says quest, you can banish an item, draw two cards. Now, when he quests, do you get to look at the top card of your deck first, or do you banish the two cards, or do you banish the card and draw two cards first? Um, I would say they're your effects. You can order them whichever way you want. So you would you'd be able to look at the top card of your deck and then banish them, draw, banish it, and draw two cards. Yeah, perfect. 
Because I think, personally, I would go with the gyro sensor first. That way you could see if the top card of your deck is actually one of the cards that you want to draw. And if it's not, boom, right to the bottom. And then grab the next two cards and hope that you got lucky on those. Yeah. And just to be clear, I think if you triggered Hiram first, I don't think you could trigger the gyro sensor after since it's already like gone at that point. I guess so. There's no stack in this game. It can't like be pending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. So I think you have to. I was use, just wondering because if you want to use both first. and you want to get rid of the gyro sensor, I think you have to use the gyro sensor first. Makes sense. Um, playability three. Artwork, uh, obviously, it's supposed to be this Venturo, the Illumineer. It's his hand holding this this new invention, the gyro sensor. Mm-hmm. Now you understand it, so now you don't have to hate I, it so much. I, 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 I still don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on <laughs> in the background. You know, I it under- also I understand there's a lore on the inside. Yeah, and it also looks like all the items that has been going around in the first chapter for a while there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe there's just gyro sensors all over the place of illumineers that have moved on to another realm possibly i mean apparently it's essentially a lore compass based on the flavor work flavor text mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it doesn't i mean in the picture it's not pointing in any particular direction like i don't know just pointing straight up yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't know maybe that's not how it works maybe it like it's like a warmer situation where it gets brighter as you get close to the lore. I don't know. There you go. Uh, hot, cold. But, yeah. Sorry, you Art- were giving it a rating. Artwork, I'm just going to say three. I'm kind of middle of the road. Actually, you know what? I can't give it a three. I've given other stuff. I'm going to give it a two. It's it's a hand holding an item. Yeah. Items and occasionally actions do not have the most exciting artwork, I hate to say. No, that's that's definitely true. Definitely save the good stuff for the characters. However, I do want to talk about the next action. Go ahead. Go which ahead. is five cost uninkable amber action card. 99 puppies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whenever one of your characters quests this turn, gain one lore. So let me guess. You're mad that there's not 99 puppies in the artwork. I mean, I mean a little. <laughs> that might give it a little bit of a ding on the artwork there. <laughs> how can you how can you say you have something that isn't something? That's false advertising right there in that card. <laughs> and if my American co-host has taught me anything, false advertisement is grounds for suing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, one thing I like about this card is whenever one of your characters quests this turn. Yeah. So. Well, it better be that for five. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you throw down... A card on turn one, it's probably one lore. Throw down a card on turn two, hopefully two lore. Throw down a card on turn three, maybe another two lore. By turn four, you should have like roughly like I think eight lore or something like that. So turn five, you're gonna quest for another, you know, we'll say six, maybe seven lore. You could almost end the game right there. 
Yeah, if your opponent's not interacting with you, sure. Yeah, exactly. So, do I like it? Yes. Will I possibly play four of them if I'm playing some sort of amber go wide deck? Yes. Is this going to be not even go wide? Yes, it's going to be aggro. I'm just going to get as much lore as I possibly can, throw down one of these bad boys, get a couple more lore but before I uh, quest so I can get as much possible lore out of a quick, short situation and hope that... uh hope that i can get one or two of these out and maybe be be prepared fair and where does that put it for you for artwork i like the city background i kind of like the nice glowing uh amber ish light i like the lanterns with their kind of weird lamp posts that they're on nice little bridge they're running across problem is for me most of the puppies are just doing the same thing just with like you took the puppy's artwork, you added a little more black, and then you just flipped the puppy's image and like maybe slightly tilted it. That's rude, but okay. I mean, I'm, it's not wrong. It's I think it's wrong. wrong. I, think, I think you're wrong. The most exciting puppy is the bottom right puppy. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, he's got his ears flapping up. Sure, sure. Yeah, and his tongue's out. Yeah. But the rest of them are just kind of like doing little donkey kicks and like little prances. They just they just escaped a mansion where they're about to be turned into a coat. And only one of them looks like he's like hecka happy to be out of there running as fast as he can. Ears flapping in the wind. The rest of them are like, oh, what a nice little Sunday stroll we're having. I don't have time to argue how happy each individual <laughs> puppy in this picture looks. They all look very happy. So what do you give it? I mean, I would give it a two. But the happy puppy with the flapping ears and the tongue makes it a three. Okay. He gives it one bonus point. That puppy saves the artwork. Uh, playability. I'm going to give it a four because amber is the aggro color. And you're going to just want to go full on aggro. So I'm going to go. flip your numbers here. This is a four for uh, artwork and a two for playability. It's kind of a win oh. more card. Like. You're able to pay five ink to not progress your board state and gain an extra three or four lore because you're questing with three or four characters. You're probably going to win either way. But mm -hmm. on the flip side, if you're playing a little bit harder game where they're challenging down your characters every turn, um, you're not going to be happy to draw a five cost uh, uninkable action that doesn't help you progress your board state. Well, I'll probably only play two of them. Uh, you just said you'd play four. I didn't say I'd play four. Ro ro I roll said, back the tape, ladies and gentlemen. He said he'd play four. No, I didn't say I'd play four. I said I rated it four. No, no, no. Roll. You, you all heard. Roll back the tape. You said, <laughs> will I be putting back. four of these in a deck? Probably. I think I said maybe. <laughs> the last non-location card we have to discuss is, and then along came Zeus, a four-cost, uninkable, Steal action song. Deal five damage to chosen character or location. We have our first piece of location removal. I know Ben's got this one. This is, this has got him upset. It's got him upset. And I guess we'll just talk about why. And it's uh it's Montanui Island Paradise. It is a two cost inkable sapphire location with five willpower, one lore and a one move cost and the ability reincarnation whenever a character is banished while here 
You may put that card in your equal face down and exert it. Ben is mad that there is an action that can get rid of the Montanui. Please explain yourself. <laughs> well, for one, for one, it's a song. So, I mean, if you're playing Steel Song and I'm playing a nice Sapphire something deck, okay. and I'm thinking, sweet, I've got some ramp coming here. I mean, I play this, I play Montanui on turn two. And before I even see any action, you're just going to banish it on turn four. Or if you got an aerial out, you're just going to sing. You might even use a stinking Sebastian to actually sing this for once. <sighs> I just I just wanted I just wanted some Sapphire cards to just be a little bit better. You know, I wanted to see a little more love for some Sapphire. <laughs> All right. So uh, now that you've let out your grief, uh, back to the action song here. Uh, you know, four is expensive, but five is a big number that hits a lot of big cards. Mm-hmm. Considering you could have Ariel sing this for free. Yeah. Um, it's not inkable, but I mean, five gets rid of Beast Tragic Hero. I mean, it just, it gets rid of a lot. Yep. Uh, it's rid of almost, almost every location yeah of the ones we know about sure there's only about two that are safe how do we feel about a four cost uninkable song i think it's pretty good i'm gonna give it a four for playability i uh, definitely think this can see play and for the artwork it's not my favorite it's kind of like a painting style which is cool but it's just not my favorite i'm gonna give the artwork a two what do you think Ben? playability I'm gonna give it a three. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four. I can't. I can't not give it a four. I mean, it's it's a pretty easy song to get out there to deal some damage real quick and easy, whether it's to a location or to a character. <sighs> like the only downfall of this card is that it's not inkable, but it would be absolutely broken if it was inkable, right? Like you're dealing five damage and you get to choose if you want it to be a character or a location. You can easily sing this with a aerial yeah. and not worry about it. You could probably draw it with an aerial. Um, I mean, grab your swords is kind of the same way. You're just dealing the damage across the board. So you kind of have mm -hmm. to uh, have more than two characters to actually get the same striking power with grab your swords. Yeah, I'll say four and then artwork. Well, I love the muses and I love Zeus and I love Hercules, but it is another steel card with a lot of square artwork. I mean, the clouds are actually puffy. They're not just square clouds, but he's standing on essentially just a giant cube. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, I'd say that's the only downfall is the giant cube. I kind of like the painting style and I like the clouds. I'm going to go with a 3.7 on that. <laughs> okay all right now we gotta hammer out these locations it's getting late so let's uh buckle down here uh, i already read montanui what do you have for it man uh montanui is fantastic art that's a five out of five for art and uh I, I i don't know if i've said it before but i will say it now that in my opinion i don't want people coming at me here but in my opinion sapphire has the best art you can tweet at him at overexerted cast you can tweet at me. You can message me on the Discord. You can message me directly on the Discord or on Tell Discord. Tell how you really feel. You can message me on Instagram. Let me know how you feel. Do you agree? I think most people out there are going to agree 
And I'm just going to say right, so. a couple little uh, couple little pieces of art out there. You got the original Robin Hood from D23. You got Mott yeah, Nui here. You, don't need you revamping, you know? recapping <laughs> all the artwork you like, okay? Uh, buckle playability, down. I, I said I, buckle down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playability, I obviously like this card. I wanted to uh, use it as soon as I saw it because I love the ramp there. So I'm going to go with a four for playability. I'm just hoping that the card itself does not get taken out before the characters there get taken out. The fact that it's only a five willpower, I feel like it's going to get taken out. So I almost want to just drop that down to a three. Yeah. Um, artwork, I give a four. I think it's pretty cool artwork. Um, the ability. I mean, it's cool to see something that's like, giving you a reason to move there, right? Because we've seen a lot that just don't even have an ability as far as the location is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, but in the course of play, like, okay, so I pay one on turn one to get a character out. Turn two, do you drop the location or do you drop a two-cost character? Maybe turn three, you drop the location and pay one to move something there. <sighs> I, I, it just feels a little slow and clunky to me. I'm going to give it a two. Ooh. Uh, the next location we have is Fang River City, a four cost inkable, six willpower, two move. Two lore and surrounded by water. Characters gain ward and evasive while here. This artwork's pretty rad. I'm gonna give this artwork a five. <laughs> uh, really like what I see going on here. Uh, you know, two to move is pretty spendy, but big bonuses for moving there. Being able to move one of your high lore characters into a location where they have ward and evasive mm -hmm. is pretty strong. It's expensive though. I don't know. It's so hard to gauge these locations just cause like I've done any testing to see how they feel in gameplay, like how easily they're removed. Like six full powers a lot, but also it's not that much like, they don't take any damage challenging into this, you know, so. Mm. I like this one, though. I'm going to give it a four. It's expensive, but it's got a big effect. Yeah, no, it's too expensive. I'm going to give it a three. What about you, Ben? Uh, I'm going to give it a... 4.5 for artwork. It's okay, but it's not as good as Mott Nui. Uh, <laughs> and then playability, I'll give it a... I mean, it's 4 to get it out, and then 2 to move there just seems... It seems like a lot. I mean, Warden Evasive are nice, because they can't really do anything to you. Except be prepared. So, I mean, the nice thing about this card, though, is Along Came Zeus does not really do anything to it except leave it with one willpower left. So, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's also gaining you two lore while it's out on the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go with three as well. I'm kind of middle of the road on it. I, I could see myself using it, but I just have to figure out how. Uh, Neverland Mermaid Lagoon, one cost inkable, uh, amber location with four willpower, one move cost, and one lore, no ability. Uh, you know, it seems like I think every ink is gonna get this location. I may as well, while I'm talking about it, Deville Manor, Rose Estate, is the same thing for Emerald. Mm hmm. So it looks like it's kind of the vanilla one cost location that every um, ink is going to get. What do you think about this one in particular in terms of artwork and uh, that location overall? So I will say DeVille Manor. I'm going to jump to DeVille Manor first. Okay. DeVille Manor for artwork is great artwork. Um, I'd give that probably like a probably a four. Just I'm going to go solid four right there. Mm -hmm. it's creepy it gives off a creepy look and playability i'm kind of like maybe a two i mean it's it's a one cost you're getting lore if you get this out on turn one you're getting lore so i'm not too too worried actually you know what? I'll, I'll give it a i'll give it a three it's it's kind of i almost want to give it a four because you're getting lore like if you don't get something else out on to the turn turn one, at least you're getting a night uh, location out. And I'm sure they're going to be characters. I we got what Peter Pan when he goes to the location, he gets lore. That's true. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a three for Deville Manor for playability. Uh, Neverland, on the other hand, I'm going to give it a five artwork mm -hmm. but i'm only going to give it a two for playability interesting even though it's functionally the They're, same card it's functionally the same card however the deville manor is in peter pan's color okay. neverland mermaid lagoon is not and i'm almost a little hurt by it because for such a wonderful wondrous place it is such a bland and boring card it doesn't do anything it's just a location that doesn't actually have any abilities. And I feel like Deville Manor makes sense. Forbidden Mountain makes sense. Neverland? Neverland? Well, it's not all not of Neverland. Your... It's just the Mermaid Lagoon. I guess so. And to be fair, it's like some guy staring from behind the bushes. But it but it is Neverland. Deville Manor is got the subtext Cruella's estate. Neverland has Mermaid Lagoon for the subtext, but you can see in the background there's Skull Rock, there's the flying ship. Like you're getting a good chunk of Neverland in this photo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This sorry in this artwork. Mm -hmm. I just I don't know. I feel like Mermaid Lagoon is also even just a very cool place to not have anything going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'm a little hurt by it. But then I'm also giving it less because. Peter Pan's not in that same color. I'm sure we will have cards that do have the same kind of sort of ability as Peter Pan. Well, or different abilities that care about locations. Yeah. yeah. So for now, I'm just giving it a two. 
yeah, I'm just going to give these uh, a generic three uh, across the board for playability. Um, I kind of, I think about them as a one cost zero four character. And is, you know, what's the value in that? And I think there is value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, is it crazy? No. I mean, we already have one cost one three characters. One cost zero four. It's not crazy, but it probably sticks around for a couple turns. You can see a couple lore, and for one, you know, sometimes that's all you can ask for. Um, as for the art, uh, Neverland's a five. Yeah, the skull in the background, the flying ship, all very cool. I do think the perspective is weird, where it's like this guy's hiding in the shade in the bushes, looking out at the mermaids. Um, interesting choice, but yeah, five for that. Deville Manor, uh, four. Really like the artwork here, but it's not quite a five for me. Then we have Agraba, three cost inkable ruby location with uh five willpower, one move, and two lore. Uh, no ability on this one either. Three for a two-lore, five-willpower location. See, it's tough as you get later in the game, because now three, now this is a little bit, it's more willpower, one more. But now you're gonna, your opponent's going to have more characters to kind of challenge into it right away. So I'm just trying to understand in my head, like, the vibe of the locations, because you lose tempo taking out locations, but you keep your entire board state like they don't like normally when you're challenging characters your own characters are dying or getting whittled down with damage and you know there's nothing such happening with locations um so it's like but then then their characters are at least exerted maybe you can make some favorable trades back i don't know i just don't know ben I'm going to give this one a four. <laughs> eh. You know, two lore for three. I'm into it. You know, you can, if you do need to move stuff around, it only costs one. Let's see what happens. <sighs> I hate even giving it a four. Yeah. I'll stick with what I said. Artwork. Artwork's a five. I like the artwork here. It looks like young Aladdin. and. It looks like a good time. Go ahead. All right. For playability, I'm going to go with a three. Uh, like you said, once you've got stuff out on the board on, on turn three, I feel like you could have two, three things swinging into this pretty quick. Well, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least two things swinging into it pretty quick and easy to take it almost completely out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, three for playability. Artwork, I was also going to give it a five. As I was scanning across, though, what's going on in that bottom right corner? It almost looks like Pride Rock is just shooting out of the wall. Why is there a random sharp rock in the middle of Agrabah Marketplace? You know, I'm not sure. So for that, if somebody could elaborate on it. Obviously, I'd bump this back up to a 5, but I'm going to sit at a 4.2 for this. Everything else except for that one rock is absolutely fantastic in this. I love the feel of the marketplace in this piece of art. Um, 
and everything's handled pretty well. I believe that are that the the two young children in the middle are the two kids that Aladdin gives the bread to mm. that he's that he uh borrows he steals. at the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> did he, did he hey man. Criminally gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat. But he didn't even eat it. He gave it away. I know. He helped out somebody else, so that absolves the sin, right? <laughs> no. No. I well, in not. my books, he's an okay guy. I do not promote stealing from businesses. If you got to steal to feed children because you can't get food any other way, you're an okay guy in my books. <laughs> Speaking of good artwork, though, we have the Sorcerer's Tower. This is an absolute five. Very cool piece of art. Uh, it's a three-cost inkable amethyst location with seven willpower to move and the ability broom closet. You, your character's name, Magic Broom, can move here for free. And magical powers, characters get plus one lore while here. Now, I want to feel like, oh, that's, this all sounds very strong. And it does sound strong that you can just move your brooms there, of which there are now two, so you can have eight in your deck. And, uh, but you know, I always just always find these cards that, like, oh, they all go together, tend to not be as strong as you think they are. So what happens when they take out the tower? It's got seven willpower, but what happens when they take it out? Now you just have brooms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brooms aren't that good currently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is this what makes brooms good? I think probably not. I think probably not. I'll give it a two for playability. It's not bad, but it'd be fun to play with around with in a casual deck, but I don't think you'll be seeing this in meta decks. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Because it's a cool piece of art. And brooms are cool. Uh, Two for playability, five for art. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, Yeah, I'll agree with you on the artwork. That's actually fantastic art. Um, I'm not really Actually, you like this one, usually. I like the artwork. I do not like the card itself. No? Especially after how I was talking about, you know, earlier. Oh, yeah, we're not going to make it, you know, just the same amethyst ruby colors that you're going to see. I mean... well, really so you don't like the card because you do think it's good. I think it's pretty decent. I mean, characters there get plus one lore while they're there. Cost two the to move there, though. To move, but the brooms just get to move there for free. So if you got that Sorcerer Mickey out and you start playing your brooms down for dirt cheap, mm-hmm. and then you just get to move them there for free and they're just questing for lore. Mm-hmm. That being said, if you're trying to get as many brooms as you possibly can, unless we get a broom this chapter or this set, then you're going to be playing Amethyst Steel. So, yeah. um, yeah, I could I could see it, but like you said, it requires a lot to set up if you are doing the brooms Mickey Tower combo. So, I'm going to give it a three for playability. I want to see what somebody does with this. And five for artwork. This is probably one of my favorite artworks for a Amethyst card. Yeah, it's the no lore that makes me give it a two. If it 
I understand why, because it's yeah. boosting the lore of the characters there. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that I mean, if it, you don't have things to move there, it just does nothing. Just sits there. I mean, it makes it less of a target, though. Well, yeah, because it's not doing anything for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that galaxy in the background is absolutely fantastic. I love that. Yeah, and the gold, like the whole the whole thing, just looks really cool. Hmm. Love this style of art. Very nice job. This is a card I'm going to be excited to see in a foil. But with that, I believe that takes us to the last of the cards to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I believe that wraps up the episode, Charles. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Nice to have you back again. It was good to be back. Sorry, uh, it's a long one. Yeah. But anyways, to everybody else out there, thank you for tuning in and venturing out with us on this magical journey. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Overexertedcast. Have a great week, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Have a good week, everyone.